Welcome to Odds and Ends. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, and we're trying to get our bearings on the week ahead and uh, see how we can use statistics and the macro to, to get more out of stock odds. How are you doing today, Rob? Not too bad. I'm really uh, happy to hear your voice is continuously improving. It is. So all that's behind you now. Good to hear. Um, yeah, yeah uh, world is in uh, quite a quite a tizzy, eh? Another big week. It's like every weekend we come in and it oils up 10%, 10%, 10%. So it's such, there's such big macro themes going on right now. How can traders still use statistics and odds in this kind of condition? I mean, can can they? Well, it's similar to last year. Like I even wrote an article about in the Stocks and Commodities magazine about um, the prospects for oil from um, really from August until November, till the end of November. And uh, the prospects were, you know, softness. So I would have been looking for, you know, good oil stocks to short, um, kind of play the, you know, the seasonal trend um, for a number of months, really. And, you know, focused on the stocks that would have had the worst odds um, or the best odds of going down. So the worst, worst odds of going up. Um, but already in September, um, you know, things began to change. And so um, I think you recall me saying a few times, you know, very, very cautious on shorting oil stocks in, in mm -hmm. the fall, which which would normally wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. So there was there was the supply chain thing and, uh, you know, just various factors already that uh, with the reopening trade and just not enough supply. Um, and so that was even before this war. And so. Uh, we've been we've already been climbing, you know, from in the say 40s, 50s, all the way to uh, you know to the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. And then the war comes along, so that uh, further enhances things. Uh, so again, you know, I've been saying for a few shows uh, now, going back quite a few weeks, um, that oil was you know likely going higher, and my target was. 147.27 and I, I just get that from like the all-time high mm -hmm. so that happened in in 2008 right yeah so let's talk about some other things and then we'll circle back to oil um, so gold is now at 1,994.70 and it's all-time high was in 2020 at 2089.20, mm -hmm. but we haven't we haven't made a new high relative to that, but we're tracking up there uh, steadily. So I imagine that that's a good test number as well. Um, when we look at copper and its role in in you know so much manufacturing. You know, electronics. Uh, there's lots of use cases for copper, and that's at actually at a new high, 499, four, $4.99, $4.99. That's a new high for that. Um, palladium, which is, you know, Russia exports a ton of palladium, um, 3,120. That's a new high as well. Mm -hmm. 
And palladium is actually used also in a lot of electronics, like catalytic converters, things like that too. So mm -hmm. industrial and electronics. Yeah. Uh, so there could be, you know, some problem that way. Um, we get into just the impact of all this on on the food. You know, we've already we already had a problem just with the global lockdown in, ter in terms of food distribution and supplies worldwide, right? And then we added the inflation trade to that. Uh -huh. And, you know, I mean, if you feel that the U.S. is experiencing inflation, that's that's nothing like some of these, you know, emerging markets and developing countries. They're much more impacted, especially uh -huh. with food, which is a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, wheat's... Uh, Wheat's uh, high in 2008, which is incidentally the same as oil's high, um, was 1,349.50, and it's currently at 1,294. So it's not that far away from its all-time high. Mm -hmm. And then canola, which is used a lot of food-wise worldwide. Um, is a, a new high, a, a 1,109. So that's a brand new high. So we got copper, palladium, canola, all making uh, brand new highs. Um, so yeah, this, you, you know, you've got a war that's only increasing the disruption and increasing inflation. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's circle back over to you to go through some of the seasonality that would normally be there, and then we can discuss uh, how to view that. Okay, so yeah. why don't you go through that? Well, well we're kind of uh, we're not in the beginning of the month anymore, and we're a little bit too early for mid month. We just had our first Friday seasonality, but I thought this time I might take a step back and look on a monthly basis. Right. So, what okay. the month what might we be doing? And um, it just seems like. Um, there are certain sectors that might slightly outperform or underperform, like energy is expected to underperform the spider. But we have such a giant macro theme, we can't rely on that. And something like financials would underperform the spider. No, but this is this is an important thing. So just we just need to run through what would be what would be normal seasonality, and then and then say, okay, if oil for the month of March is normally weaker. Which is which is to be expected to some degree because you kind of get the December January you know with with um, winter season and things like that where consumption can rise, and then you get this break before the summer you know because we often have higher prices in the summer which culminate about Labor Day too, mm -hmm. um, so March you know March and April can be those retracement months for it. So normally oil would be softer for March. Yeah, like actually we down have three point two versus. Yeah, Minus 0.5 on the spiders. It's quite a significantly down. It, yeah, <clears throat> but but so that would be the normal. But because we have a macro that is completely overriding that, that mm -hmm. that makes that makes the current macro even that much stronger, that much more important, mm -hmm. right? Because normally normally it would be a softer period of time for oil, right? And same story for basic materials. XLB is significantly, it's down 1.53% for the month relative to down half a percent for the spider. So that's very similar too, but we're seeing the opposite. Yeah. So that, that doesn't, I don't have a problem uh, with 
what's normally expected with seasonalities and then having a macro come and punch it um, and, you know, boot it out of the way. I don't have a problem with that because I like to know what is normal uh -huh. so that I can gauge the seriousness and the impact of something that's encroaching on the normal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not like, oh, it's not valid. It is absolutely valid. It has, it's just that, you know, I'll give you an example of this. You have a plane and it's taxiing down and, you know, getting ready to take off on the runway. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, as it, you know, it, it didn't lift up into the air until it got enough speed, right? So gravity was holding it down onto the runway. But at some point when there was enough speed, it created lift. And that lift overcame gravity. So lift, lift is like a macro mm -hmm. where gravity would be like this, the seasonality. You know, it's still there. It's still real. It's still going to be important, but something came <clears throat> and interfered feared mm -hmm. with it, right? So another law, another force. So the law of lift overcame the law of gravity, but gravity's still there, mm -hmm. right? And so once, if there was, here's the thing: if there was a resolve, you know, if we had peace, uh, if this thing was resolved, then you know you'd probably uh, pull back harshly, and you know you'd be you'd be going the way of seasonality from where we are now. So mm -hmm. so keep it in mind, keep it in perspective, and allow macro things to be considered. This is the part of the vetting process. I can go and curate a whole bunch of symbols, mm -hmm. and some of those symbols might have the odds of going down normally. Um, but if they were oil stocks or they were gold stocks or whatever, I would say, no, I, I'm going to vet that. I don't need to be involved. I don't need to get into that fight. I don't need to tangle with that. Just remove it mm -hmm. or, you know, be long. And the thing is, I am long a bunch of oil stocks over the weekend. Um, I've done this a number of times in the last uh, couple of weeks uh, in terms of the, even preparing for what I thought would happen with the invasion and then, um, you know, continuing on uh, as the invasion was going on. Um, and that is golden and oil uh, certainly ha has much more room to move higher. So, you know, not that risky to be in those type of things overnight. Um, you know, that is sort of, you can kind of lift that out, you know, like to take, you know, to take a stock like, um, you know, snowflake or something overnight, you know, can have a, a, a significant element of risk, right? Um, uh -huh. But like when you're in a macro and you want to take an oil stock overnight when everything, when all the signs are flashing. So I, I had thought that we might have some meetings this weekend and already an embargo would be announced. Uh -huh. um, but it's been chatted about, but it doesn't look like it's happening, but still oil's rising. And that's just because the intensity of things, you know, with with cruise missiles hitting the airport. And I mean, it's this thing is just getting uglier and uglier all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think it's uh, I think Putin's going to double down rather than back away. Right. I mean, he can't back away. If he backs away, he has loss of life, all this expenditure loss of face right and he won't he'd rather just 
plow forward or like you're saying well <clears throat> yeah because now it's you know there's there's elements of pride and <laughs> you know it's kind of like when you're already invested right he's all in you know you're pot committed what do you do right <laughs> yeah so uh it's really sad i mean this is this is just I mean, it just moves you to tears just even seeing things that are going on. It's yeah. it's just insanity. Um, but we're traders, and we have to, you know, take the information and act on it. So the trade for me is still long basic materials and long oil. Um, financials could be, you know, considered to be a short. Um, again, it depends a little bit on what the bonds are doing before you make get too committed on that one um industrials there's plenty of legs in industrials just because of you know some of the defense contractors uh, are there um but industrials also have airlines in them right so um even though we consider airlines discretionary spending too they are in the industrials so they can can interfere a bit with that uh, trade Utilities are interesting. I mean, on a monthly basis, they outperform the spider typically in March, and they've been very strong the last day, week, month. So, I mean, so this look, is a case where the seasonality is along with what's happening recently. <clears throat> okay, so you've got so let's let's say on the monthly on the March, a March monthly, I mean, on seasonality. Mm -hmm. So normally GDXJ, GDX. Uh, SLV and XLE would all be shorts for this month. So let's take those and put them into the long camp, okay? Mm -hmm. So we're going to override seasonality. But what about KRE and KBE, which are the banks, regional banks? Um, do you want to leave them in the short category? Any reason to argue with that? Well, like even tonight, uh, the 10-year is pulling back a bit, right? So that's... Okay going to be a good short-term financials for tomorrow if it stays mm -hmm. the same so in that case um it is and, and we we did kind of go towards that two percent on the 10-year but then this whole risk-off mentality has been pulling the yield down as well so i think it's okay to leave the, the banks in those in the short camp okay well we can we can yeah leave them in the short camp but we'll check them out tomorrow um we've got the dow down 1.09 percent or 367 points at this moment um so um that might impact all groups it's not like so when you look at the long side and you see that you know xlu semis and xlp um, consumer staples are are longs um but you know all that can still be pulled down by the market mm -hmm. right it's part of the problem. So what we want to do is we want to find some groups that we can be long and some groups that we want to be short, and we're going to make money on the relative performance between them, not the absolute change by direction, but the uh -huh. relative change, right? So anything more to run through on the seasonality there? Not, not, not anything else on that. <clears throat> okay. So let's. Uh, we got. Um, S&P's down 1.38%, a little bit more than the Dow. So that shows me that even though the Dow number sounds large, like down almost 400 points, um, it's a little bit stronger than the S&P, which has obviously uh, some technology uh, exposure and things. NASDAQ 100 is down 1.85% at down 255 points. Um, 
none of them they have not hit the low from february 25th so all three of those markets are still above the low from february 25th um russell 2000 is down 1.86 percent so same as the nasdaq uh 100 percentage wise and then we've got um interestingly the nikai is just getting crushed here um, it's almost back to a former resistance level, which yeah, I'm going to call out that number right now, 23,216.90. So uh -huh. um, just below the – actually, sorry, wait a minute here. Hold on. No, I, I made a mistake. 20, 24,500, let's call that roughly. So 24,500 and we're at 25,000. So not much further to go. It's already, well, it went down 670 points minus 2.61%. Uh, so the Nikkei completely in an air pocket until it gets to that uh, former resistance level. Um, the DAX uh, is you know, almost looking like it did back in 2020. I mean, it's still quite off that low, but um, it the way it's falling is, is like what we saw in, in the uh, mm -hmm. March of 2020. Um, and the VIX uh, mentioned on a show last week that um, the VIX was scheduled to continue to rise um, and it's up 6.57%. We're at uh, 33.60. Um, right now, we've pulled back a little bit from a bit earlier. It was up over 34. So again, when you get like the VIX heading towards 35, um, this means that things are going to move around a lot. Like we could have, we could we could open down tomorrow, and we could actually pop up for a bit and then turn over and go back down further, and then you know we could be way down and have a late day rally. I mean, this is what uh -huh. volatility does. You know, it's not a slow, slow climb all day with good breadth of the market or even an orderly sell off all day. No, when you get when you get a high VIX, it's going to move both ways. It's a trader's market. And um, so, yeah. So if you put a long and short basket on. And, you know, you find that your performance is is quite excessive early in the day. Because volatility is so high, I wouldn't have a problem taking that. Mm -hmm. Because you could be, you know, you can be up a lot, and then it can, it can reverse on you too. So, so um, being more of a trader's market, focus on capturing profits, locking them when you can. Keep an eye on the VIX. Okay. So I don't know what developments are going to improve the situation. Um, I just see things kind of getting worse, mm -hmm. but you know, it's a fluid story, so you don't know, right? And this is going longer than people. They said, "Oh, this will be done in two two days, three days tops. This whole thing will be over if they invade." Now it's dragging on. It's looking like it's going to be a slow grind, just continuous. So the market's just slowly digesting that, and, and but it's also reacting less and less each time bad news comes in. At some point, mm -hmm. it, it becomes numb to new news, and then we'll see. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the oil complex here uh, again. 
So it's at one crude oils at one or our West Texas is at 124.08, up 7.26%. I think it did pop up a bit higher, oh, just over 130 when it opened um, today, and it pulled back from that spike. So it had a super spike up over $130 a barrel and pulled back, and now it's at 124.08. Okay. Um, Brent crude also almost spiked to 140. Um, and then it pulled back to 128.11. So, I mean, still a massive jump, um, but not not as extreme as right when it opened. So there was a bit of a, a shock when it, things opened. Now, gasoline um, is making a brand new all-time high. You've never had gasoline futures at 377.47 ever. Um, you know, even even in 2008, when oil made that high, um, the highest they got to is 363. So we're at 377. So higher than that. Uh, what is it at the pump uh, when you got to fill your jag up there? What is it? We're close to six dollars a gallon in Southern California. It's 590 okay. something. So I saw one station with six. So that's pretty pricey. Yeah, we're over we're over two dollars a liter now here. Mm -hmm. um, so not quite four liters to a U.S. gallon, obviously. That's close to eight bucks. Yeah, so we're still higher. We've always been higher anyway, but um, yeah, it's getting 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 pricey. Um, heating oil is coming up to its all-time high. Not quite there, just a sliver away. Natural gas, uh, not yeah, it's it's up, but it's it's still pretty much in the middle of its ten-year range, and ethanol also in the middle of its 10-year range. So the big one is the gasoline futures. They're going bananas here. So there you have it. Um, so what is our focus tomorrow? I think um, I think you want to play kind of in the healthcare, um, some industrials, um, some utilities, so again, some take some balanced longs and shorts from that. That mm -hmm. um, the the ones that are more sensitive uh, are going to be REITs and um, financials, just based on what the bonds are doing, and and the dollar to some degree. Um, we don't want to be shorting um, basic materials and uh, oil if we don't have to. The 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 the, the, the tension is this: you could have something really move a lot on a close-to-close -close basis or gap up a lot at the open, it could actually be down from the open to the close. So, you know, that's possible for gold. It's possible for oil. We've seen that before. Um, but the way things are escalating right now, I, I would just give it plenty of room. Um, so what other groups are there? We've utilities, got consumer, utilities have uh, been so strong, though. I mean, I think I wouldn't want to short utilities. I mean, this yeah, <laughs> utilities, utilities are they're just going to pass on the inflation to the consumer anyway, and uh, you know they're sensitive to bonds too because of the bond component. So, mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, consumer staples, you do have to watch out for some of the stocks that 
companies that can't pass on the inflation to the consumer that are really impacted or their margins are being squeezed. And this is happening, you know, company after company where, um, you know, they might have had lots of contracts in play. Like, I mean, imagine, imagine that you intended to build a house like this, say, say you were going to build a house this March or this April and, um, you know, everything was prepared. You bought the land and you you were going to build and, and you hadn't, you hadn't ordered your lumber. Mm-hmm. Now, now you got to order it, right? Um, you know, all of a sudden your budget's blown, right? You never planned on on the increase in lumber. Let's say this is happening throughout the economy in so many different groups. Just margins squeezed everywhere, right? So it's it's a, it's a bit of a mess. Now you've got some other systemic things too. Um, companies that are interconnected, companies that have made investment into, you know, even into Russia, uh, investment into there be prior to all this. I mean, um, ESG was, a, was a, you know, having some issues with ESG uh, companies and goals. Uh, we've had, you know, look at look at what's happened with all the environmentally friendly stuff, um, you know, Electric vehicles, we were seeing Tesla still holding up and performing okay uh, in spite of um, the way the markets are, uh, but not all EV companies are experiencing that that type of uh, support, right? Um, even though oil's going up, not not all not all EV companies are going up, right? Like solar, it's down like thirty percent in the last three months, and with oil going to <laughs> well, and that, and that and really that's just because it's like. Uh, well, you know, we thought we didn't need oil again. I guess we were wrong. And you know, some of the so many of these have such big capital investments still, um, and and such a long runway for return that it's the the easier thing is just to get rid of all that stuff, anything speculative, anything that is not going to produce right away, and you know, just go to cash or reallocate. And we've seen so much of that. Look at the, I mean, you got SPACs that you know even should hold up at. Ten dollars, and you know they they're way below it. Some spacs are down in the twos, or uh-huh. you know under two dollars. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, risk de-risking, a lot of de-risking going on everywhere. Um, so, but Bitcoin, we didn't touch on that yet. I mean, that's a good. Well, Bitcoin is an interesting one because um, it it does have some use case for. Um, it could be kind of like your rainy day fund, your slush fund. It could be even more imperative that, that I've got to move stuff to crypto. So, cause you know, the ruble's falling and you know, while you can other, other countries might fear the same thing. And uh, so it, Bitcoin is a currency, um, but it's not necessarily an inflation hedged in, in general terms, but it could certainly be, a hedge against a falling currency, right? It's down four percent right now. <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 suffering the same, you know, risk reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it did have some rallies along the way. Even how many days ago was that? Uh, we had a pretty big rally on February twenty eighth, right? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it, and it's going to happen again. We're going to see other other rallies, especially if you know we have more banking ripple effect. So, um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't write off Bitcoin overall as a way to pay for things if you know you have a problem with banking and things like that but um yeah some of the other uh currencies you know can't argue the same like the other crypto stuff can't argue along the same lines as that so yeah bitcoin will still be the granddaddy and it's more similar to gold as a potential hedge um but gold is certainly doing a lot better than Bitcoin at present. Um, just like we saw, you know, I, ha I heard so many people talk about fundamentals don't matter mm -hmm. over the last number of years, right? Fun until recently. We started to see them matter in November and December, and they really mattered in January. Mm -hmm. And gold, same thing. Did you not hear gold is dead? Mm -hmm. You know, and now look, and maybe in the U.S. gold isn't such a big deal, but many of these other countries, they still value gold and they will yeah. purchase it. They will, you know, China, Indian banks, yeah. they'll they'll buy gold. So mm -hmm. you can't write it off entirely. Um, and now you're seeing, a, you know, big move. We're not we're not taking out all time highs, but we're getting awfully close. Mm hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, we could banter on. It's uh, like I said, it's very fluid. You know, but you gotta you gotta put your trading hat on and you gotta trade. It's it's a trader's market, it really is. It's like 2008 all over again. And 2008 was macro driven, mm -hmm. right? 2007, 2008, 2009 were macro driven. 2000 and um, 18 in December, we had a bit of a macro-driven thing as well. Some of the summers, due to you know politics, we've had a bit of macro. Um, and then 2020, we had COVID, and and you know look how far we fell and look how fast we rallied back. But all again macro-driven. Uh -huh. um, so statistics statistics matter in the sense of here you know here's what I would do if you like if you like the basic materials group for some long ideas then you know you go in and and you find the ones that are most statistically advantaged because how else do you decide from that list which which ones you're going to pick mm -hmm. and you know if you were to just pick one out of the 50 stocks you know you might not pick the right one so it's yeah. better to you know pick pick uh, three or four or five in the group that have the best odds of producing for the day Mm -hmm. Do the same thing with some oil stocks if you want. Now, you, you might have a trouble buying them if they're already capping up a lot. Um, so you might say, well, okay, that, that train left the station. I won't get involved. Um, but you can do it with um, some utilities. You could probably do it with some basic materials. Um, there's probably some even in discretionary names that are worth looking at from the long side. There's going to be some technology names still worth looking at, um, you know, even in this environment. 
when everything's going down, some technology stocks will go down less or they may not go down much at all. Um, so go to stock odds and, and grab some um, uh, groups. But I just, it, unless you have clear directives, be balanced. <clears throat> Get some longs and shorts within the group. Don't have outright exposure. Right? And as, as this oil trade gets longer and longer in the tooth, meaning that it just keeps rallying, at some point we don't want, we're not going to want long exposure to that either. Because those reversal days, when they profit-taking days or or some good piece of good news comes out, those those stocks will be going down pretty hard. Always happens, right? Everything goes up until it doesn't. Yep. Right? So It'll even back in 2020, you know, uh, when gold was rallying, um, you know, it uh, when it turned, it pulled back hard. And... Mm -hmm. Oil hit brand new highs in 2008, and when it turned, it went. It fell all the way down to $38 a barrel from 147.27. It fell to 38 in a matter of months. So, when these things finally finish, they can reverse hard. So keep that in mind, okay? Well, it'll be an interesting week. All right. Well, you take care of yourself and. Thanks. Uh,